Gather Round has been and gone, and in its wake is a plethora of Adelaide trivia that will now be useless until the day-night test in December. Luckily for us, though, an epic Anzac round awaits with five stellar days of footy set to play out. And with the infamous round six rule, Faust approaching footy's media's hot take machine is operating at full steam. Welcome to the Fans Eye View weekend watch list brought to you by Sportsmates, Footy Live and TLA. And with me to separate the hot air from the cold hard facts is the officer's number one footy expert and surprisingly chipper Hawks fan, Nikki G. Now, Nikki G, I'll ask you about your weekend, but also a question about notice. Is the top eight set? Uh, at first glance, probably yes. I, I, I can't see any of those teams dropping out. I think St. Kilda have had a really good start. Um, they should continue that. The Bombers, actually, no, the Bombers, I'm, I'm not sold on yet. There you go. You, I, I didn't expect to see them uh, planted there in the top four. They did, um, I, I missed them. But yeah, the Cats, the Cats are still one team that will probably jump into the eight eventually. Yes, yeah, so you also got Port Adelaide on the outside looking in, yeah. Fremantle, Richmond, the Western Bulldogs, uh, five teams there who are all, you know, two and three, except for Richmond, obviously, one and three. And uh, Port Adelaide just missing out on percentage there as well. Mm. So the round six rule is in danger this year, I reckon. What's the round six rule? Well, basically, it's like after round six, the eight doesn't change except for one spot. I think is the oh there the you rule. go yeah it's like from the last twenty years of football well you go yeah, in Geelong after round six yeah in Geelong out someone that was a question without notice let's get into the big talking points which have had some notice for and uh, the first one obviously everyone's been talking about it gather round yes did you like it did you not what were your vibes on it I loved it I really did and I didn't expect to um, it just it had that World Cup vibe or Olympics vibe to it you know and people gathering from all parts of Australia into one location and it just being this one big festival of of footy. Um, a lot of neutrals attending games, big crowds, um, a lot of sold-out crowds and it, it was just really good to see. Um, I obviously didn't go, but I think I'll be booking my ticket next year. So there you go. And obviously you'll be booking it for Adelaide as it's being confirmed for another three Correct. gatherings. Yes. Thoughts on that? Should it stay in Adelaide? Should it be shopped around the country? Should it become a road show? Or is Adelaide the natural place? It's the centre of Australia. That's it. One yeah. of all meet in the centre. It's good for the time being. I think for the next three years until they build it up to be, you know, a permanent mainstay and build it up to be a thing that everyone would want to travel to, three years gives everyone an opportunity to travel to Adelaide, experience it for themselves. And then once it does become that mainstay in the AFL fixture and this thing that everyone looks forward to, then you can consider giving it to Perth um, for, you know, East Coasters to travel over the whole country to go see and vice versa. If you put it in New South Wales or Queensland, um, it'll make it difficult for Western Australians to travel to. But yeah, given it that time will, you know, uh, I guess make it better, make it easier for people to want to go see. And yeah, and then hopefully one day I would like to see it obviously shipped around after the next three or four years um, and even Tasmania when they get that boutique stadium that'll be a good place to have it too so yeah it, it, this time just gives the rest of the country time to prepare but Adelaide's the perfect spot to have it for now yeah absolutely and also as much as we want to expand the game or the AFL keeps on talking about how we need to expand the game into the states that aren't as prominent yet mm. it's kind of like yeah but it won't be as good if most of the city doesn't care about it 
And Correct. if you get around in Sydney, they'd be like, oh, well, we're watching the league. Yeah, cool, there's some footy going on, but, like, we don't really care. Yeah. Whereas Adelaide loves its footy, has a footy history, and so the, yes. the whole town was ready to embrace it. So yeah. it makes perfect sense. And obviously, Wales embraced it as well, mostly because they were paid to, such as the, uh, you know, the jaunts of, uh, you know, mainstream media. And so, you know, drinking some bathwater there, the AFL. But speaking of drinking some bathwater... Which fan base? The players don't drink bathwater. That's what I find really interesting <laughs> yeah. about criticism. Like when you listen to SEM, when you listen to, you know, Triple Triple M, it's always like, oh, you know, the players are drinking their own bathwater. And it's like, yeah. no, nah, not really, because they're not coming out. Most of the time, AFL players have really boring press conferences. Yeah, yeah. you know, we're just doing our prep. Yeah, yeah. we'll work really hard. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> it's the fans that drink the bathwater early. Which fan base do you reckon has gone too early so far in 2023? I reckon a lot of fan bases, probably all fan bases are guilty of this, but at the moment... Uh, probably the Bombers. Like, they, they have every reason to be happy. They're 4-1. and one. Um, They're going into an Anzac Day. Massive clash. Um, both teams in the top four. There's every reason to get a little bit ahead of yourself. But, um, yeah, I think they should just keep it lit on it for a bit longer. The calls for, you know making finals being a top four side and winning premierships is it's a little too soon for all that and i have seen a bit of a float around so yeah maybe just keep a lid on it but if they do win anzac day uh i don't think we'll be able to control these essendon supporters for much longer the lid will be well and truly blown off well and truly blown off and like what's the reason to uh, why is the lid already bubbling why is the stove already at full boil and that's because they beat melbourne on the weekend by 27 yes all right so that's great one win. of the great, great win. win fantastic win yeah. They also lost to St Kilda by 18 points. A St Kilda side that, you know, you don't like the way they play football, but it's very tricky Gets to play Gets the against. job done. Gets the job done, so that's okay. Then they've also beaten Hawthorne by 10 goals, uh, Gold Coast by uh, five goals, yeah. and the Giants by two goals. Not yeah, much there. Not much there. No, not, not, nothing that really confirms you as a, a premiership contender in there just yet, other than beating, you know, Melbourne. So kudos but, but cool thy jets. And so a little bit of a game then in terms of our investment, uh, the odds for to play finals or to miss finals currently for Essendon, uh, $2 to make it, $1.83 to miss. What side of that coin will you be investing in, do you reckon? Uh, I'm not much of a gambling man, but I'd probably play it safe and take the $1.80 uh, to miss the eight. Yes, and that is because the next so next five will be really big. So once they come to uh, round ten, they will have played Collingwood at the MCG on Anzac Day, Geelong at the G the week after. Then they go on an away double to Adelaide yep. Oval for uh, Port Adelaide, Brisbane at the Gabba, and then they have Dreamtime at the G in round ten against Richmond, who either are going to be back in the eight and you know the Tigers of old, or completely yep. there to be smashed. And by which stage, you know. Essendon, if, if Essendon gets how many of those five do they need to win to be real? Oh, I mean, three out of that five would put them right in top eight contention, yeah. uh, probably even more, probably top four contention. They'll be lucky to get two. If they get two, I'll be surprised. They um, probably only get one. I reckon they, they probably I, only get I, I think they only get one. Either Richmond or Collingwood this week. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I don't see them beating Collingwood, but you never know. Both sides have few a few outs this week, so it could go either way. In the occasion, um, anyone can win on any given day when it comes to these big clashes. But yeah, Geelong's a tough one. Going to Adelaide's tough. Going to Brisbane's tough. Yeah, I reckon one win out of the next five. Unlucky Bombers fans. Speaking of unlucky, 
I've got a, a question to talk to you about as a as a person that's gone through this ordeal. And so Richmond, we're as a Richmond fan, are no longer unlucky. All right, we've had our, we had our run, we've got our premierships. <laughs> yeah, you know, our, probably some of our favourite players have gone on and retired already. Um, the ones that are left, uh, you know, not looking as uh, fresh and as dominant as they once were. Uh, you know, a former captain is, you know, apparently exploiting school children via a, a socks company. Like, it's all happening. But yep. how do you mend this angry heart? And so, like, when it's on the way down, you just kind of want your team to keep on winning premierships. How, do you, how, do you, how did you reconcile that as a Hawks fan during the three-peat? That was that was in your in your pomp as a as a younger man than you are now, and you were very much cockahooed about that Hawthorne dynasty. Yes, how did you come to terms with now being you know a team that is on the bottom of the ladder? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's difficult because obviously you're so used to winning, and so are the coaches, and that's why they bring in players like Tom Mitchell and Jago Mira to extend the stay, and same with Richmond. Bring, giving away draft picks to bring in Taranto and Hopper. Um, they want to extend their stay for as long as possible, obviously, and try and master what Geelong have kind of done and Sydney to a certain extent. Um, it's difficult, though. And look, uh, the, the quicker you realize your time's up, uh, I think they just need to pull the trigger, rip the Band-Aid off and start the rebuild. Um as quickly as possible and that's what I'll be doing in 10 years time when it's Hawthorne's time again to to rebuild um I'll be wanting to do them wanting them to do it a lot earlier but how do you make it how do you make yourself feel better about it just keep those premiership dvds um on the coffee table watch it as much as possible and uh Start Googling the draft picks for the end of the year because, uh, yeah, you'll be right in that mix. But unfortunately for Richmond, they've traded traded away their first-round draft pick this year to the Giants. So, um, yeah, they have to wait till next year. Yeah, it'll be a very long wait. Unless, unless, because this is what Richmond always does, they always start poorly. Yes. Now, you always come back with a, with a fairly big advantage in the back half of the year. I don't see it personally, but, you know, sometimes you go too early. Um, but yeah, it's been very, very odd. And, um, there's been some calls during the week from our dear friend, David King, that, uh, that you should get Trent Conchin to his 300th. Now, how do you feel about this situation? Do, do players deserve to make a milestone or do you pull off that bandaid? Is it worth waiting eight more games? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's been a champion of the Tigers for so long. He's been captain of their three premierships um, after such a long drought of not winning any grand finals. And then, um, I mean, like, it's not going to make much of a difference him playing versus him being in the reserves. And you've got to send your champions off properly. You've got to get them to those milestones. That's what um, they're going to get looked back on is you don't want him to be stuck on 295 when he missed... 15 games in his final season and look you, you just gotta you gotta take the loss that you, if, you, if you're not gonna play finals this year so what you won three premierships be happy about it no there's teams like Fremantle who haven't won one yet hmm. St Kilda fans have had to wait 60 more than 60 years Bulldogs fans Melbourne fans had to wait a long time as well so you had three premierships enjoy it and send your champions off the right way there you go so Trent Cochin will ride slowly into the sunset being a 300-game player yep. and a legend of uh, the Richmond Football Club. Their odds to play finals, two bucks, uh, $2.50, sorry, and their odds to miss, $1.50. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the 250 I reckon they scrape in. I reckon Geelong and Richmond 
scrape in. And I have, I'll yeah. have uh, Essendon missing and Carlton missing. Carlton. Ooh, that is spicy. I like it, Gordo. I can't see that happening. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't see Richmond winning more games than Carlton. No, it's too it's too difficult. Yeah. It's too difficult. Well, I'm sorry. Only time will tell, but uh, <laughs> that was definitely one off the cuff. Yep. As uh, the media likes to do. We'll talk a bit more about the media up now in our Media Watch segment. We've got a couple of uh, questions that have come from Twitter and also from our number one uh, fan, Dario, with his Dario Digest. But the first one is, is it okay for the media to go after individual players? And it comes off the back of, uh, you know, it's been Jason Horn Francis week in the media. Yes. Some people saying that uh, they love him. Some people saying the media hates him. Uh, then we've had coaches come out. Ken Hinckley basically just say, didn't name any journalists specifically, but basically just said, you, you guys need to check yourself. You've been going after this kid. He's 19 years old. Think about yeah. his health. Yeah. Is I, everyone in the footy in the footy world fair game or you know, can the media just say what they want about players or do you have to go, yeah, he's just a kid? I think in the situation that Jason Horn Francis is in and, and look, he's going to be prone to media backlash and fan backlash. That's fine. That, that, that's the industry we're in. Um, it's a bit sad, obviously, but I think it has crossed the line to be honest with you. Um, and I know uh, Ken Hinckley came out after the game last week and he made a pretty big statement about it and he probably pointed to the, uh, the finger to people like David King and Fox Footy. Um, but like also Kane Corns, this, this is all his fault. Let's be honest. He, he instigated the North Melbourne fans. He, he poked the bear Um he rocked up to a, a, a Sunday footy show one day, dressed decked out in Port Adelaide gear and the the blonde mullet. He he, he was rubbing it in their faces. So obviously, North Melbourne fans were always going to jump on the slightest little mistakes that Horn Francis would make during a game just to get back at Kane Corns. He, he says it's not his fault, but it absolutely is. Yeah, it's been a weird week where uh, you know uh, Kane Corns and David King have. Have been having a feud, according to the Herald Sun and other uh, footy rags. Yeah. Even though they on the same radio show, Fridays mm. uh, on SEN, they do a show together. And yes, you don't have to like each other to do a show together, but uh, they definitely aren't having a feud. And it's the most beat up thing in the history of media where they yeah. just kind of like, oh, these two people hate each other. No, no, they they get paid to pretend to hate each other. That's that's how sports yeah, shows work. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Definitely. So that's the media. And okay, yep, you have to fill airtime, you have to do your job. What about social media? And this one comes with Nick Dacos. And, you know, not everyone likes Nick Dacos. The media loves Nick Dacos. The media loves to tell you how much they love Nick Dacos. And even though he's only a second-year player, he's already a generational talent. We haven't seen anyone in this generation as good as Nick Dacos, even though Mm -hmm. this generation has 20 Brownlow medalists to choose from even yep. though this generation has, you know, 20 Norm Smith medals to choose from. I'm pretty sure, you know, Dustin Martin is somewhat comparable yeah. <laughs> in, in, in quality of footballer to, yeah. to Nick Dacos. So yeah. I think some yeah. the media is booting him up too much. But the fans, the fans are coming back with a vengeance. And they're saying that he's, you know, a cheap outside ball player, doesn't put his head over footy, doesn't win his own pill. Why do fans, and when I say not fans, I mean like why do people on Twitter yep. hate Nick Dacos? Gordon, this is classic human behavior, I think. People will build someone up until they get right to the top. And as soon as they get to the top, 
they will bring them down. And people were throughout his whole junior career were uh, revving him up, talking him up, saying he's the best uh, young footballer in the country for years and of all time. And now that he's actually delivering on the big stage, people can't stand it. Rival fans can't stand it. Um, He's getting 40-odd disposals. It's it's all rubbish though. Yeah. who wouldn't want Nick Dacos in their team? And quite frankly, who cares if he's not getting a high amount of contested possessions compared to an inside midfielder? Nick Dacos is the best kick in the Collingwood team. He's one of the best kicks in the AFL. He's damaging by foot. He gets five, 600 metres gained. I wouldn't want him at the bottom of a pack. No. I would want him on the outside getting the ball inside 50 and damaging the opposition. So the whole argument is just flawed. It's stupid and it's not worth getting into and it's pure jealousy from opposition fans. So, yeah, they they need to get over themselves a little bit and just accept greatness when they see it. Yes, you really should. And um, an interesting nice little tie back here actually Mm -hmm. uh, to our previous conversation about Kane Corns is uh, what do you think Sam Walsh, Nick Dacos, Will Phillips and Harry Sheasel all have in common? Uh, They've all been criticised by... Kane Corn. They have all been criticised by Kane Corn as a first-year yeah. player. There you go, mate. Um, so uh, that's yeah. I'm not surprised. It's it's just it's stupid. Like give these kids an opportunity to you know play footy, play footy. They don't deserve criticism. Um, Sheasel hasn't put a foot wrong, and he, he's getting criticised for taking kickouts. And it's just I don't I don't get it. Yeah. I really don't get it. It doesn't make much sense at all. Well, it doesn't make much sense as why we continue to uh, do previews because, you know, we cannot predict the future. Uh, that being said, though, how are your tips going this year, Nick? Um, yeah, not so good. Not, not so good? Not so good. I mean, I'm, I to be honest with you, I haven't been actually – I'm not in a tipping competition. Oh, but, smart man. But, yes, for this exact reason. <laughs> but if I was, it would be going very poorly because, I mean, we, we predict we, – we give our tips on this program. Mm. So – and a lot of my tips aren't right, so <laughs> I wouldn't be taking my advice for any betting. Yeah, that's, for that's sure. fair enough. Uh, to give the actual number to uh, the listeners, I'm on 33 out of 45, which is uh, 73%. That's very good. So that's not bad. That is, for this day and age, that's very good. That's man. not bad. Not bad at all. And so we'll jump in. And as each we do every week, uh, we separate the games into our must-watches, our uh, average games but important games, and our tip and forgets. And uh, the first must-watch is Saturday at prime time. It's Geelong versus Sydney at Cadinia Park. It's a grand final rematch. Yep. And the, uh, the question... Questions are out here, you know. Are the Swans capable of overturning the, the mental scars they had against Geelong? Can they can they go down to the Cattery and you know cause another upset? Mm. Uh, or is Geelong back? Is Geelong back and, and ready just to start ramping up their form and start rampaging through this uh, this league? Yeah, that, that, that's a big question. And they will be unfurling the flag on Saturday night in front of their home fans for the first time this season. So they've had to wait a long time for that, but they will get that opportunity. Um, but yeah, it's a big one. Obviously, the Cats, you know, the, the last two games, they've blown away weaker opposition. Uh, they've done it emphatically, credit to them. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a, it's going to be a challenge this is really gonna um announce whether they're back or not as a force to be reckoned with um and sydney like you mentioned the their record at gmhba stadium is pretty good they've won three of their last four when they've Mm -hmm. traveled uh to victoria and down the highway from the airport um 
And yeah, I, I think obviously that the ground, it suits them. They, they play on the SCG, which is a small ground and playing at GMHPA, um, which is a lot narrower than others, uh, than other fields. It doesn't affect them as much as it does with other teams. So um, yeah, they can use that to their advantage. And I think they're going to be they're going to be hard to beat the Swans. Statistically, they're the number one pressure side in the competition. So Geelong aren't going to have that much time on the ball like they've had in the last two weeks. So this is going to be a real a real challenge. Um, obviously, for Sydney, their their hardest task will be keeping Jeremy Cameron quiet because he's He's making a habit out of kicking a bag of goals and getting over 20 touches. So in Geelong's defense last week was very short, 185 centimeters on average, uh, which is the shortest of any team since 2020. So yes, this is going to be very interesting, Gordon. Yeah, very interesting indeed. And a great analysis there from from you as per usual. Uh, again, Sydney, I think, probably has the better form coming in because it's, again, better opposition. So that word very much clinical against the Tigers in Adelaide. They really don't mind travelling. That being said, I think in terms of a tip, they're unfailing the flag, the Cats. They're a proud yeah, club. They're they, they love their history. They they love defending the fortress. That is Cadena. Yeah. It's it's going to be tough to tip against them, and so that's why I'm, I'm sticking with them. And I think they, they're getting back. You know, arguably, you could say they've only played three quarters of good football so far this year, really, like yeah. properly, insanely good football. But it's been enough to blow away teams. Lesser teams, yeah. yes, absolutely, but to blow them away playing only bits and pieces. And so they're putting it together, and it could be this could be the uh, the final thing that kicks them into gear and gets them ready for the uh, you know, next couple of weeks. And they've got an easier run now. So Essendon, Adelaide, Richmond, and Fremantle come after this. So, you know, not, not the uh, easy beats like West Coast and Hawthorne, but, you know, not the world's uh, most difficult uh, Mm. fixture list there to go into round 10 probably sitting you know five and five and ready to charge into finals if, if they do lose the cats are they out of premiership contention uh no not yet they would have to go beyond like sydney zero and six type start to the year before i'd say they were out of premiership contention yeah uh yeah especially now they've got some home games to you know start really ramping up the uh the you can never the write advantage. them off no Never been able to, never will, and uh, you're going to be pretty silly if you do because history suggests they find a way to get there. So I'll be mm-hmm. tipping Geelong, but I think it's going to be a great game. And you're going with? I'll probably go the Cats as well. Like you said, home ground advantage, first game there this season. They'll be in a good mood to start the game, and, um, yeah, they'll be hard to stop. Second must-watch game is a game that I've got, you know, a lot of stake in now, having said something pretty silly about 12 minutes ago, and that's that Carlton I missed the finals. But Carlton will be playing St Kilda at the Marvel Stadium as a Blues home game. And uh, the Blues did what they always do when they go to Adelaide, and that is not show up. Yes. They got absolutely smashed by Adelaide. All sorts. Adelaide now becomes, you know, one of everyone's favourite teams, you know, and you love a strong forward line and you will love them even more after that week's performance. But obviously yep. some huge question marks around Voss and Carlton and whether or not they can stack up these couple of years of development they've been going on with. Meanwhile, St Kilda lost, but everyone came away loving them more. Yep. They took it up to the pies. 
they got a bit lucky towards the end of that game, I reckon, because that, that was looking like, oh, I don't think Ross Ball works. Yep. And all of a sudden, you know, three quick goals and everyone's like, oh, they could have pinched it. Yeah, they could have, but if they had anywhere, any, any more efficiency inside 50, any more aggressive ball movement, you know, for the first 90% of that game, yep. they were, wouldn't have had to score three goals in, you know, 90 seconds to try and make it close. So Exactly. What yep. you read here and uh, who are you leaning towards? Uh, well, based on last week's performance, I have to be leaning towards the Saints. I've um, come around. I've come yeah. around. Are you going to jump on uh, Ross Lyon's bus? No, I won't. How but I, park in well, defensive 50? well, my issues with Ross is that he, he knows how to win games of footy and he yeah. will win games of footy. That's Ross Lyon. He's been winning games of footy, yeah. But my issue is does it stack up in finals? Yeah. The, mid- the, the regular season games, he'll win. That's fine. And Carlton, they, they look terrible. They were shocking last week. They got smashed around contested footy uh, last week against Adelaide. And now, now they're going up against St. Kilda who have, you know, who are four and one and have built their whole season on contested footy and pressure footy and defense. I just think Carlton are going to find it extremely hard to get, have any sort of freedom with the ball, um, give their forwards the best look. Um, and some of St Kilda's defenders are at the top of their game. Callum Wilkie has been unbelievable. Um, and if history suggests anything, it's that St Kilda will win because they've won the last seven. Uh, they've won seven out of the last nine, I should say. Um, but an issue with Carlton as well, Gordon, they, they picked up... Andrew Russell from Hawthorne, high performance uh, coach. And um, he was obviously behind getting Sean Burgoyne's knees right when he came over to the Hawks and Cyril Rioli's hamstrings, he fixed them. He was this magic man. Carlton's injury list last year was a disaster, an absolute train wreck. This year, you've got, they've got, again, one of the longest injury lists in the competition, but David Cunningham, calf, Marchbank, calf. Jack Martin, calf. Mitch McGovern, calf. Adam Saad, hamstring. Matthew Owies, hamstring. That's six plays. That's a third of their best team out with soft tissue injuries. What's going on there? Must be a very hard deck down at Icon Park. Well, something's not right and someone's not doing their job properly. And there's also a strange amount of... um, foot injuries going on there as well. Boyd, Cottrell and Philp all have foot injuries. You don't really see that very often too. Zach Williams injured with his knee. He's had serious knee slash Achilles injuries. I just think, yeah, something's not right behind the scenes there. Um, To have that amount of injuries in the last two or three years, um, it's it's bad. And like it's it's that's what costs you games. Having that that amount of players out from your best team, they're not gonna go anywhere if it's gonna continue like that. No, make it very difficult indeed. Now I'm gonna take that as homework. I'm gonna uh, I've got some doctor friends from my previous life in the medical profession, uh, in the AFL currently, and uh, I'll ask them if yes. uh, if a club has multiple injuries of uh, the similar kind but to different players, does that suggest there's an environmental factor at play now? I'll see if I can answer that question for you next, uh, week. next week on yes. the Tuesday podcast. Look forward to so, that. Uh, yep. We'll look at that one up. Uh, I'm guessing then you're going to be tipping the, the Saints? Yes. St. Kilda will win. Yes. And uh, it'll be based on defence. So, you know, two most important areas to kind of like stem the flow of, intercept scores, clearance scores. They're ranked number one in both. You know, are they great going forward yet? Absolutely not. They're like second worst in the AFL for kicks inside forward 50 and retaining them and generating scores. And they're not pretty footballers, but also they're missing a lot of players. 
And mm-hmm. unlike Carlton, who are also missing a lot of players, St Kilda are, are structurally sound enough and defensively sound enough yeah. to um to make up for it and cover it up. And then hopefully in the back half of the year, when they get some players back, St Kilda, they can start piling on the points a bit more and yeah. and hopefully are uh, you know playing some football that can be uh, yeah. funnels ready. And and just on that as well, I think that's another. Um, there's some other question marks around Michael Voss as coaching. I think the last couple of weeks has raised some serious concerns. Carlton supporters are starting to come out and ask those questions. Like you said, with St. Kilda's injuries, um, they're still able to maintain somewhat of a structure and produce good footy. Carlton just haven't been able to do that. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the coaching department is is under the microscope at the moment. And we know that, you know, whilst Essendon might like to drink its own bathwater as fans, uh, the Blues fans prefer blood. Yes. And they will have the blood of their coach if they don't play finals this year, which uh, might just happen if uh, yes. my prediction does come <laughs> correct. Monday night is our next must-watch game. It's the Anzac Day Eve game. And my little hot take here is that Anzac Day Eve... Mm-hmm. Better than Anzac Day. In what way? Uh, the like the actual match day experience. I think is probably better. The the service and the ceremony that they do before the game yes. probably better at night than it is during the day. Uh, Flame I- arriving on horseback. Okay. Um, I'm obviously a Richmond fan, so uh, yeah. there's that element. Um, and just a little bit less angry. Mm. I've been to a couple of Anzac Day games, and the vibe is very tense. Yeah. It's Essendon, it's, it's pies, it's tense. It's a bit like an old firm, you know. It's not going to kick off. Like, doesn't that make it better? Down the ground? Maybe. It depends <laughs> what you want from the footy experience, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. And I suppose, you know, you're a Hawthorne man, so you've got the line, like the line, the sand gang. You're like, yeah, let's go to the Essendon game. Let's go uh, get into some Barneys with my, my yeah. Essendon fans next door to me. Yeah, I, I, look, that, that take is going to ruffle a few feathers of, of the Collingwood supporters and Essendon supporters listening in. But um, I can't really, I mean, I've never been to an Anzac Day game. I've been to well, you an Anzac Day. You, you can't even get a ticket it's impossible. unless you're a club member. It's impossible. I've been to Anzac Day Eve, and yes, they, they absolutely do put on a really good service. But oh, I don't know. It'll be hard to beat, uh, like you said, the I mean, the, the contest, intensity, the yeah. intensity of. Collingwood versus Essendon with 100,000 people watching. Yeah, hard to beat. Hard to beat. If only Shitty and uh, Moldhouse were still coaching those clubs. That's what really yes. brought it to the fore. But that's, that's the next game. The first much watch, Melbourne versus Richmond. I got sidetracked there with my little hot take. I was doing a little Kane <laughs> Corns impersonation. Uh, the Ds are still flag favourites despite getting done by the Bombers on the weekend. Um, which team is in more decline? Is it, is it Melbourne or is it Richmond? Oh, Richmond. No <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. The, the, Melbourne's allowed to have a one-off bad week. That happens. Yeah. I mean, if you look back to last year, Geelong lost to Hawthorne on Easter Monday. And, you know, after yeah. that, they pretty much won every game after that. For What was their winning streak? 16 games or something. Yeah. But, yeah, um, the, it was a very bad day at the office for Melbourne last week. Um they, I'm putting it down as a one-off. I, yeah. That's all there is to it. But this week, I, it's hard to really see Richmond um, get up and win. The key factor behind beating Melbourne uh, from an SM perspective last week was nullifying the impact of Stephen May in defence. Well, if you're letting him and Jake Lever take all the marks they want, uh, you're going to have a bad day at the office. But they were knocking the ball to ground. The conditions probably suited that. It was very wet. Um, but you need to have 
the tall timber up forward to do that as well. Um, and with Tom Lynch out of that Richmond side, it's going to be really difficult. Although in saying that, I really did like Jack Rewald's game last week. I think he flourishes uh, as being the, the the main man up forward for them. But we, if Richmond want any chance of winning, it's Rewald has to be at the top of his game. Bolton, Dustin Martin, do you play Morris Rioli for that extra forward pressure? I think they need to. Um, so, yeah, it's, it'll be, again, very interesting to see what happens, but uh, the Demons will just want to rectify last week and they will be too strong for the Tigers. Yeah, and even just, you know, you mentioned there, you know, Tigers are missing some players, but they're also starting to play a, a lot more younger players. So maybe they are doing the rebuild on the run, sneaking in under everyone's eyes whilst pretending they're not doing it because they had nine players that had 21 games or less experience going into that Sydney game. And it, and it definitely looked like it. So, mm. um, yeah, very different Richmond side at the moment. Um, and then Melbourne still has some some great things going in their favour. They're still scoring a st- stack load of points. Their competition average of 106.8 this season, yeah. up number one. That's 20 points up on last year as well. And they were fairly significantly scorers last year as well. Uh, whereas the Tigers, I said in round one, there is no way that they can be this bad going inside 50 for the rest of the year. I was wrong. They're continually being this bad going inside 50. Yeah. They've lost the inside 50 count by 11 per game now. That's ranked last in the competition. Um, and I'm pretty sure their kicking inaccuracy is like 30, just over 30%. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 38.5% yeah. and second worst in the competition. And they're um, struggling to score. And just struggling to score around. So Yeah. Well, obviously, we spoke about last week. Their, their, their scores of turnovers have been very bad. I think the second worst in the competition, which is something they really prided themselves on. But um, again, I don't think they've hit the ton this year. No. Uh, oh, actually, they did once against Adelaide, no. and that was their one win for the year. But they scored 58 against Carlton, 49 against um, Collingwood, 84 against the Dogs, and 78 against the Swans. So. Yeah, struggling to score, very un-Richmond-like um, based on their premiership years, but I think it's well and truly known now that those years are gone and, like you said, the rebuild may have already begun mm-hmm. without us even noticing. But uh, here's his fingers crossed that the uh, the big game factor comes in and it's a close game, um, but obviously we're both picking Melbourne. Now a big nervous one, Anzac Day, Collingwood versus Eston. What some people, not me, but some people call the best day of footy in the whole entire year. And this one is of epic proportions, of course, because for the first time since the start of the century, both of these clubs are in the top four. Mm. Bombers just took down Melbourne. Everyone's talking about the Bombers. Question marks around Collingwood. Can they can, can they take on Draper without a rock? All these issues. But are we, are we buying into the hype too much? We just said that Essendon fans are drinking their own bathwater. Talk mm. about radio is full of Essendon chat, very positive Essendon chat. Yeah. But... Is that actually that good? Again, I, I'm not buying into it yet, but in saying that, they could win on Anzac Day if, you know, we with the injuries considered. Hmm. Collingwood don't have a Ruckman. They've been playing Ash Johnson in the Ruck. Not even Dan McStay's there, so they don't even have a key forward to kick to. They've lost Taylor Adams, and I know Essendon have lost Zach Merritt as well. But the Bombers, and with the confidence they would have got from last week, they had every chance of knocking off the Pies. Um, and also, six of the last eight matches between these teams have been decided by less than 20 points. They've been close games. 
Collingwood have won five of those, but with Collingwood's injuries taken into account, oh, geez, the Bombers, again, they're every chance of winning this. They are. And if the Bombers were going to beat the Pies this year, this is the perfect conditions to do so, as you mentioned. But yep. I think last week showed that Collingwood doesn't just play one style of footy anymore. They can actually pivot. They can play a different style. They can. They, they dealt with, you know, the, bu- the bus being parked against them. Was it a pretty game? Absolutely not. But then they turned that switch in the fourth quarter and, you know, found some freedom, found some ball movement, found some aggressive looks inside 50, you know, kicked accurately, did all the things they need to do. They can do that against Eston. They can. I, I'd say that St Kilda right now is a better defensive unit than Essendon is. Yes. Obviously nowhere well, near as potent going forward. Uh, yes. Yeah, if it's, if it's going to be, you know, to and fro and a bit of a shootout, then I reckon Collingwood's got the advantage here against Essendon. Yeah. It, it, I reckon it's going to be a very contested, probably low-scoring game. Well, Essendon's defence has improved. They're not the best in the competition and they haven't gone up against but the best opposition. Best, as I like to tell you third on Twitter. Third best, yes. They, I mean, they've gone up against Hawthorne and Gold Coast and the Giants, so not the greatest opposition, but... Brad Scott has improved um, their structure a little bit and I think that will stack up against the Collingwood side that are lacking a lot of tools. So, yeah, this this one could go either way. And an interesting stat here for the Dacos haters is that Collingwood better hope that Dacos plays another blinder, especially with his efficiency by foot because that is how the Bombers have been scoring this year. Yeah. So in their wins, they score at least 30 points from intercepts and 23% of their total scores uh, have come from intercept possessions since round two. So that's the highest percentage of any side. You turn the ball over, you give the Bombers a chance, they'll score against you. Which players in Collingwood are the best at not doing that? Oh, it's that outside guy who doesn't, you know, can't go his head with the footy. Yeah. The, the magical foot of Dacos will single-handedly, it, yeah. you know, could almost take Collingwood to a win here, and he might win an Anzac Day medal with no contested possessions, and I can't wait to see the meltdown on Twitter if that happens. It's amazing why teams haven't tagged Dacos. It really is. We, we, di- we did see it in that preseason game uh, with Hawthorne tagging him, and surprise, surprise, he didn't get a lot of the footy, and it turned out to be a close game. I know it's only preseason, but we're, we're going into the sixth round of 2023 so far and no one has considered to put a tag on Dacos and he's leading the Brownlow race. Yeah, except for Brisbane. You remember Zorko got on, got, got, in, got into him. Yeah, but it wasn't like... was a hard tag. He was just being a bit of a pest, Zorko, but obviously... But how much did he end up with that day? 30-odd, yeah. 36, I yeah. think. Like that, 38. Yeah. That's, that's, that's but he did show for him contest, so... That's it. I know. <laughs> but 38, uh, yeah, I'd be putting a tag on him ASAP. ASAP. And Brad Scott, probably likely to do so. Yeah. That's a Brad Scott move. Yeah, so, definitely. Old school coach in a new school world. What's your tip, though? A tip of the Bombers? It, it's so close. I'm really on the fence with this one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to still say Collingwood, but it, it could go either way. Yeah. Uh, Collingwood. Actually, Collingwood by comfortably. Oh, really? There you go. Bartholder has been drunk by Bombers fans <laughs> and watched them all disappear off the uh, talkback lines on Tuesday afternoon when they, they lose by, you know, three or four goals. So, uh, you know, stiff pickies. Uh, that's what happens. That's what happens. Harsh. Yes. Harsh but on. true. <laughs> Average but important games are up now. And uh, the first of those is Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs Friday night. Prime time starts our weekend with a one that could be an absolute humdinger or yep. a game that could be super duper average. Yep. Uh, it really depends on which either sides turn up because 
no one can pick the dogs. I made a tip of dogs correctly, I reckon, for about three years. Yeah. Ever since I won the flag, all of a sudden, every week they were kind of like, oh, the dogs could win this you game. You expect so much more from them. You expect so much more than week in, week out. Yeah. And then everyone knows that listens to this show that I've been a big fan of Fremantle for the last couple of seasons. I sold my Fremantle stock last week. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, yeah, for good reason. Yes, they got the win against the Suns. Mm. Boy, aren't we glad that game was played at Norwood at, you know, 4.30 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> gather around where no one could watch it because yeah. it wasn't pretty. No. So I'll watch you read here. Who, um, who you got? Who can you trust? Well, I mean, it could be a good game, just going back on your first point. Um, the elimination final last year, obviously, if you remember that, Frio kicking 11 of the last 13 goals to come back and win against the Dogs. So the Bulldogs will be looking to um, amend that result. But, yeah, I look, again, when the Bulldogs travel, you, you can't really back them in. Um, and the, uh, I'm going to sound really harsh here, mm-hmm. but... I think the dogs are a little bit soft. Oh, you're going, be, you're going Kane Corns on us here. Yeah, and maybe it's not a hot take. I reckon a lot of people would agree with me, but they're one of the worst tackling sides in the competition. They're very good at clearances, but outside of that, their tackling's really poor. Uh, they're kicking inside 50s very poor. They are one of the worst sides at taking marks inside 50, despite having the plethora of tall targets to kick to. And also retaining the ball inside 50. So their forward pressure is absolutely atrocious. So if you're not chasing, if you're not putting in effort, if you're not putting in pressure, um, when you've got the amount of stars that they do on their team, I think they they deserve that label of being soft. And Bontempelli was absolutely brilliant in that first half last week. He was carrying the dogs in the midfield. He had, I think he ended up with more than 10 clearances or something ridiculous like that. But once Port put the tag on him, they had no one else to look to. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's very poor. I Again, I had them as... A, a, Premiership Smokey at the start of the season. So, um, yeah, they've been really poor for mine. Are they going to be able to um, rectify that against the Dockers this weekend who are, um, yeah, they're not the heaviest scorers, Fremantle, but, you know, I think in terms of their midfield work and their all-around pressure, they're they're able to put in a pretty um, contested game of footy and I'm not sure if the dogs can stand up up against that, especially on the road. Mm. So, yeah. If it's not under the roof, <laughs> um, no weather conditions and under the lights at Marvel Stadium, I, I don't think I can comfortably back the dogs. Yeah, that's fair enough analysis. The only thing I'd change there is I don't think the dogs are soft. I think the dogs are selfish. Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean, you see a lot of players leave the dogs and they make little, you know, putting comments. So Dunkley, when he went to Brisbane, said, like, we don't run that much in training and it's all about you know, individuals well, that backs and whatever. Well, up my point. Backs up your point there. Obviously, you know, yep. other players have changed and gone to the dogs and gotten worse or left the dogs and gotten better. So, you know, maybe it is that coaching environment. But that being said, you know, Bev's just re-signed. So obviously someone there likes him and someone thinks he's doing a good job. Uh, but clearly not us. And as you mentioned there, Freo, you know, even it's their, their annoying bit isn't they're going to be a bad football team. It's just that they're playing like St Kilda 
but their list is so much better than St Kilda. Mm. I, I, I don't think that St Kilda would play the way they were if they had Fremantle's list. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, we had that experiment with Ross going to Fremantle and they did. So maybe they would. But my point is they could be more expansive now. They've already built their foundation. They can now go and challenge teams, you know, in that eight to five category. They're still not just doing it yet, but we don't have the dogs anywhere near that. So Fremantle at home, defence first. Be, as you said, they'll be winning first possession at the ball. They're ranked first in the competition for doing that they win 80% around the grand stoppages which is crazy um, and they don't concede they don't concede from clearances either so there's the dog's strengths taken away from them obviously a freer win for mine and Bev will be back under the pump and getting angry at Jonas. So. yeah yeah I'm tipping the Dockers as well alright Saturday prime time unfortunately is the Giants versus Brisbane <laughs> at Manuka Oval and um, the Lions have had the wood over the, uh, the Giants they've won four straight Yes. Including a 40-point blowout at home last year. Is Brisbane back? Is this going to be just those, you know, smiling, arrogant Lions forwards just kicking bags on a giant side that's, you know, trying hard and doing well? But if it wasn't for Himmelberg last week, would have lost to the Spooners in Hawthorne. Yeah, no, I, I – yeah, I, the Giants did nothing for me last last week, to be honest. Uh, just scraping – over the line against against Hawthorne, and, and if it wasn't for a bit of magic from Himmelberg at both ends of the ground in that final couple of minutes, uh, they would have lost. And you know now you're going up against the Brisbane side who are getting their mojo back, and like you said, they've got a very good record against uh, against the Giants. Um, yeah, I, I think. Again, this is going to be very difficult for the Giants. Their midfield, they're going to be without Tom Green this week due to uh, suspension. And even with Tom Green in that midfield, their contested possession count um, has been ranked 17th this year. 17th, second bottom, Gordon. And now their main possession, contested possession getter in Tom Green is out. So when you're going up against the Lions midfield with Lockie Neal, who had an absolute blinder last week, and Josh Dunkley and and, and Co. the rest of them, um, going to be very hard to stop. Yeah, very hard to stop indeed. And I frankly don't see it happening. Where it leaves the Lions, though, I know it'll be a win on the road, which is good because I haven't travelled that well previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to see another shutout performance, so... You know, shootouts don't help the Lions when it comes to finals. They need to start getting that defensive integrity back and really, you know, blocking teams out because that's where their weakness has been. And even this year, like, their percentage is pretty good because they they did spank North on the weekend, so they're back into the hundreds. But, yeah, they, they're considering more than anyone else in the top eight at the moment mm-hmm. uh, on the raw numbers there. So, no, not great signs if they want to be premiership contenders. But, uh, yeah, pretty clear pick for mine with the Lions. And, uh Sunday's early game, not too much better because uh, Hawthorne's in a bit of strife this year, but Hawthorne versus Adelaide mm-hmm. down at the University of Tasmania football ground and uh, the Crom. Yes. Flag Crom is trending on Twitter. Yeah. Don't believe everything you read on Twitter, but uh, you said you love the Crows. You said you love that front six. I think oh, it's more than operating forward line. I do. They absolutely dismantled the Blues. How nervous are you as a Hawks fan? I don't even think nervous is the right word. I'm terrified. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is going to be like Hawthorne's record against Adelaide, particularly at uh, in, down in Launceston, is, is very good. But um, I don't think you can uh, put history into this uh, contest. Adelaide statistically have just been a much more 
dangerous and more threatening side and Hawthorne have been blown away by teams that love to score this year um, and Adelaide who put how many goals past Carlton last week in the first uh, quarter or half they gonna they could do double that this week honestly 16 I'm, goals in the first quarter I am not even exaggerating Gordon. goal every two minutes mate Honestly, Hawthorne's biggest issue has not been having a, a forward target to kick to, and Mitchell Lewis is still another week away. But um, yeah, we, they've, they've gotten better at centre clearances, but the issue has been not being able to kick to anyone in that extra possession after they win the clearance. They've had not much to kick to at all. So, um, and when you compare that to the Crows, who have won the post clearance contested possession differential by 11 per game they are ranked number one in that category this could get absolutely ugly and Hawthorne's one-on-ones in defensive 50 as well mind you Frost has had an absolute nightmare start to the season and when you're going up against that potent forward line of the Crows on a beautiful pristine deck down in Launceston there is just no excuse here for the Crows not to win by over 10 goals. I reckon it'll be much more than 10 goals, but yeah, I've got no hope for the for my Hawks this week. So uh, that being said, uh, you know, often green shoots can come from times of crises like these. Yes. And there's whispers about Max Ramsden making his debut this yeah. weekend. Would you like to see the big 200-plus centimetre ruck forward uh, sneak, yeah. in, sneak into the side after four goals for Box Hill on the weekend, or would you prefer him to uh, not be playing a rampant crow side and maybe save him for yeah. you know, a, a less aggressive side that might you know give you a bit of a touch-up? Yeah, look, he's he probably does deserve a call-up. Uh, he's been very good for Box Hill. He's been kicking goals, even if he's not playing as a ruckman in that Hawthorne side. Just as a forward... Hawthorne have lacked it and they need someone to kick to. So he might be a potential one. His body's still a bit raw uh, for a big guy. Um, He's a bit skin and bones, but I'm not sure if it's going to make much of a difference, to be honest. Um, I think they'll want to protect him. He's a great prospect. They got him in the uh, mid-season draft last year and he has potential to be one of the best rucks in the competition in a few years, but I reckon they'll want to protect him. Yeah, fair enough. And then the last question then is Adelaide, are they are they funnels bound? Currently seventh, they're three and two. They've still had a couple of wobbles this year already. Yeah, yeah. But uh have they have you seen enough to confirm them as one of your, you know, rule round round six rule locks after this week? I I think so. They they they're a lock for finals. They've they've not only just won three games in a row, but they've kicked over a hundred points for three weeks in a row, and that's against good opportunities opposition against Port Adelaide, Fremantle and and Carlton. Um, so they've won emphatically. Even in the first two rounds when they were losing, I, I had them as my team to hold. Don't give up on them. We, we saw glimpses that, you know, they were able to pile on a lot of goals and then it just fell away for a quarter. But it just seems like they've got um, that mojo about them and... Um, yeah, they're just rampant. If you're able to score that heavily, you're going to win games of footy. You're going to win enough games of footy. Um, what? So they need another nine wins to lock in finals. They'll, they'll get that, mm. especially when they played the Adelaide Oval. They're, they are an absolute lock for finals. All right. I uh, would love to see that because the next three weeks are going to be very tricky with Collingwood, Geelong and St Kilda. Uh, they do play Collingwood and St Kilda at home, though, so that's well, to their advantage. They'll win this week. Yeah, so then they Hawthorne. go four and four and uh, two, and then they got Collingwood at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, so I reckon that's a win with Collingwood's injuries. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then you said Geelong at GMHBA, tough one, but winnable. They're, oh. If they win their next two games, that yeah, is winnable. Put all the Adelaide stock possible. Oh, come on. And then in St. Kilda, <laughs> Adelaide Oval again. Yeah. They, they'll win their games at the Adelaide Oval. It'll so be a test for them. Oh, wow. So you can have them going, being six and two, coming into round, round nine. Easily. Easily. In a canter. Oh, sorry. Easily possible. Easily, <laughs> easily possible. <laughs> we'll hedge it the last second, but they're definitely winning in Tasmania. And even a Hawks fan says by 100 points. Uh, another very important game for a, a, um, a beloved character of yours, Stewie Dew, Gold Coast versus North Melbourne. Yeah. If they lose on the weekend to North Melbourne... Does Stewie Jew have to walk out the door and say, yes. sorry, boys, yeah. I've he, let you down? He looked deflated after last week, Gordon. If you listen to his pr- press conference after the match, he was a very sad man. That was a, that was a winnable game for them. What was and it? Yeah. What was it? A four-goal turnaround coming into like yeah. quarter time. It slipped through their hands. Um, and, I mean, I, I expect them to f- come out smash North Melbourne. They've got a very good point, uh, a very good record against them. They've scored over 100 points in their last two games against North um, and they they keep them to low scores as well. I think they've won four of their last five against the Roos as well by an average winning margin of 63 points. They're playing at home. North Melbourne, the honeymoon's over for Clarko. It's done. Like, they won those two games to start the year. That's it for a while. I, w- I wouldn't even be surprised if they are also still in wooden spoon contention come round 10 or the buy rounds even um uh, i think that yeah i think we've seen pretty much everything that there is to see about north melbourne so far so yeah this is going to be a gold coast win for me so you say that but the you know who's who's north played this year they've they've like you said they had the win against west coast whoop-de-doo west coast are in dire straits this week and they'll be uh, mentioned in their preview uh, they had the one-point win against the Dockers. That's very credible over in the West as well. 19-point uh, loss to you guys was a bit of an upset, but the whole, you know, master meets apprentice in the coaching ranks kind of makes up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took on the Blues. Blues are meant to be, you know, top four contenders. Yeah, they got up for the occasion, North Melbourne. I'll yeah. give them that. Yeah. And then blown out by Brisbane. And then Brisbane. blown out by Brisbane. So, you know, Gold Coast is not anywhere, anywhere near anywhere of those clubs we just mentioned there, except for no. West Coast. No. Uh, so I reckon... I reckon North gets it done. I reckon Clark has penciled in the games he has to win this year to have a successful season. And I reckon, you know, uh, what are they already on? Two wins. A six-win season would be cock-a-hoot. Okay. This would be their last opportunity for a win for a very long time. Which is why they should win it. Which is why Clark will get them up for it. Which is why I get the job done. Because we've seen nothing from Gold Coast to suggest... That yeah, it's they're going to win. Like, it's just it's just them at home, but like it's not a fortress. It's a Gold no. Coast. Yeah, I mean it's it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for the Roos, but North Melbourne they've got Melbourne next week, St Kilda, Port Adelaide, Sydney, Collingwood, Essendon. That, that's tough. Oh yeah, that's why North needs to win this week. Giants that's... and Bulldogs to round out before they buy. Oh yeah, that's... things will be grim. Things will be very grim by the time I get to that, but uh, but not this week and. Yeah. One thing that can be guaranteed, though, it's going to be a very poor game of football. Both these teams love to turn the ball over yeah. and love to get scored against when they turn the ball over. So uh, look for some coast-to-coast football and uh, lots of errors. Yeah. Thanks for bad viewing. But if you had to pick one, you're obviously going with the Suns. 
Yeah, Gold Coast and all I'm the way. Going with North. And uh, our tip and forget game of the week is Port Adelaide versus West Coast. Ken Hinckley went bang, bang uh, and said to all of the media, stop picking on me, players. Stop picking on me. We're going to start winning games. We're on the outside looking in. But when we spank West Coast by 100 points at home this weekend, we will take someone's spot in the eight and you'll have all have humble pie to eat. I agree with him. Point by plenty. Yeah. Uh, not much to analyse here other than the fact that, uh, you know, social media himself, Schofield. Yes, Will William Schofield. William Schofield of Premiership fame is uh, coming out of retirement. And if you've been watching his uh, podcast on YouTube, not looking like an elite footballer at the no, moment. No, no. Uh, to go help his waffle side out because West Coast is in dire straits and needs to just literally pick people off the street and to fill their team. And literally I, I accused Carlton of uh, poor player management or injury management earlier. West Coast also should be held to account for the same thing. Last year, I know they had their COVID issues as well, but they had a massive injury list last year. This is exactly the same. 15 players on their injury list. They might get Shuey back this week, but they're missing McGovern, Yo, Cripps, Sheed, Liam Ryan, Nat Nui. Nat Nui hasn't, I mean, he put together a full season last year, but I think that was his only in the last six years. So uh, whoever's doing the medical stuff over there in the West, lift your game, mate. Yeah, lift your game, medical stuff, people. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Adelaide by plenty. Let's move on to the most important part of the week, and that is, of course, our desktop decisions. So, obviously, thirty-three tips. That's the thing I keep hold uh, hold hard hold. That's the thing I hold dearly to my heart. Yes, is my tipping results. You, on the other hand, hold your super coach results. And I've been hearing you get a little bit chirpy around the office. I am whispering I'm, I'm, into uh, some office uh, colleagues. Uh, do you know I'm in the top thousand? Yes. Did you know I'm yes. in the top thousand? So, what is your official ranking as of uh, this in exact there. moment? Crept in there let me get it up let me get it up i think it is actually 1200 on the dot so it's not quite in the top thousand but i'm getting there and i'm i'm going up every single week yeah my my tips on this segment haven't been that great this year i'll 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 admit that but um anyway results are in the numbers they are exactly right i probably haven't been following my own advice and that's probably the key to my success but um, yeah, this week, I think a lot of people are going to be... Um, it, it's upgrade season. Yeah. Jinby, Cam McKenzie, they've hit their price ceilings. It is time to sell and it is time to bring in some big dogs. So if you haven't got the Olivers, the Tooks, the, the Dawsons, the Englishes, I'd be getting them in. And if you're looking for value as well, Gordon, Jake Lloyd, 533,000. His lowest score this season has been 93. So he's wound back the clock. And his last two scores, um, 119 and 120. So he would be one to get in. Jack Sinclair, he's also dropped almost 80,000 since his starting price. So he's another one to look at bringing in. And maybe even Steve Canelio. Uh, he's dropped to 485,000. So I still see him as a top six forward, although the GWS midfield has been a bit inconsistent this year. Uh, this might be the cheapest you'll see Canelio this season. So one to jump on. There you go. It's time to make your upgrade. It's also time to get ready for your weekends. That's brought us to the end of the weekend watch list. Brought to you by the fans I'd be brought to you by Sportsman and uh, the Footy Life app and of course TLA and brought to you by us, Gordo and Nikki G. So enjoy your weekend. Take your time to work into it. We've had a very exciting gather around. We've got a slow start to the weekend, so that's okay. 
Make sure you're in fine form for Saturday night, Geelong versus Sydney, and then also Monday night and, of course, Anzac Day, the second best game. <laughs> Everyone enjoy it. I hope your football team wins unless they're playing my football team, in which case, I hope you lose. Go Tarks.